0: amen again thank god for all of you thank god again for his grace his mercy truth and peace god be the glory for the great things that he has done and to all of you again we say welcome to midweek push uh it is the middle of the week we thank god again for the food that he serves for the inspiration education and illumination that he provides and again we are excited for all of you hey let me again just quickly uh thank all of our virtual listeners (coughs) excuse me in washington kansas mississippi uh, Illinois, Chicago, uh, Pontiac, Detroit, uh, Portage, Ann Arbor, Battle Creek, Ypsilanti, uh, North and South Carolina, Florida, uh, California, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, again, Texas. Uh, to all of you that tune in Midland based City, our in-person listeners on the day, again, we praise and thank God for all of you. God is good and his mercy and do it forever. So, hey, let me do this before we go a step further. Again, on behalf of myself and the First Lady, let me say again, I said it Sunday, but it bears repeating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your outpouring of love, your cars, your support, whatever you have done. Again, uh, new life. Nobody does it better than you. You certainly showed us your love, and again, we certainly appreciate that uh, from the depths of our hearts. So, again, Uh, You may not see an individualized personal card. This is that card now. It is a live card from me on behalf of myself and my wife, thanking you for everything that you do. Now, I say thank you a lot here at New Life because I want you to understand it is genuine, but I also want you to know it doesn't take something special for me to say thank you. I say thank you quite frequently because I want you to know I appreciate you. And I want you to know that this is one of those moments where I'm saying it uh, because I really want you to hear me. I appreciate you and we love you dearly for, again, uh, your cars, gifts, whatever you have given to show your love. It is genuine. We appreciate it. And again, it motivates us to continue to do what we do, which is to serve God. And we serve God by being servants to you. So again, thank God for all of you. Let's keep praying for our sick and shut in. Let's remember those that have lost loved ones. Again, I cannot echo enough. We need your prayers. Uh, continue to pray for our community. Uh, pray for the leadership in our community. There's so much going on uh, across the country, uh, in our country, all around. There's so much going on. So certainly we, uh, again, solicit your prayers. There's a couple of things that are coming up that, again, I need to remind you of. Uh, I think starting the week of the 12th, and Mr. Cameron, you can help me with this, the Saginaw Valley District Association will be in session. It starts the 12th through the 17th, okay? And so uh, I'm, I'm lifting that for a couple reasons. Number one, it's imperative that we lift that because there, again, one of our very own, in a person of Minister Reggie Cameron, is the president for the local ministers, and he will be giving his address. I believe it is on the 17th. It is on that Thursday, which is not the 17th, which is like the 14th. Okay, it's the 14th. So we want to make sure that we support. Now, during that week, I've said this before, um, uh, whenever Wolverine is in session, whenever uh, Saginaw Valley is in session, we will not have weekly services. I need to keep saying that uh, because sometimes I forget. Okay, I do forget, but I want you to understand whenever Saginaw Valley is in session, whenever Wolverine is in session, our services for the week are canceled Okay, so that we can attend those. Now, we pay registration fees, we pay registration dues, and we want to be there. It's a level of learning and training that we can get, and we want you to get that. We know you can't get everything here. We love the fact that we do do things, but we also realize that there are some things we cannot do here, and so we want you to be exposed to other teachers. Coming up, uh, again, uh, I think during that week, it is addresses and preaching, so I certainly want to be there to hear the preaching and to hear the addresses, and so we want to make sure that we are supporting that. Uh, At the end... Um, at the end of uh July again Deacon Christopher Tatum will give his first uh, sermon and so we'll be here to support him the fifth Sunday of the month we want to be here again for him let me backtrack go back to the 17th of July um it is our church in the park and again uh you are responding uh in great numbers to that we've got these um vocalists uh, these recording artists that will be here with us sister ashley jones the song that you usually hear when we start out uh that is her song so again uh, she will be here from grand rapids and then uh chosen sons and daughters will be here with us and you know chosen sons and daughters because uh again um we have had Brother James Owens, a uh, world-renowned guitar player. Um, it is his family. They will be the entertainment that will again be playing once we conclude our service at this point. So, again, we are excited to have them uh, be with us as well on that day. It is an evangelistic service. Okay, it's an evangelist. We love that other people will come from churches, and that's fine. But we really want you, New Life, to use this as an evangelistic opportunity to bring nephews and nieces and brothers and sisters. Come dressed as they are. Have them come dressed as they are. Okay? Come dress as they are. We're going to be in the park. We're going to be serving a meal right afterwards. Um, I think it's uh, cheese sandwiches. Is that right, Brother Schaefer? <laughs> it's not cheese. Is it cheese and mayonnaise or cheese and mustard? Okay, it's, it's one of those. I, I have to find out for sure which one it's going to be. hmm it just tastes good. I can just taste her. I can get the taste of my list right now. I, York, I tell you, it tastes so good. I, can't, I, just, I just can't wait to taste that this Mac. right? I think it's going to be good. All right? But again, we are grateful. It's going to be a great day. I need you praying up until... Okay, I need you praying up until, uh, again, pray that God, will eat, that, will, that God will save souls that day. Now, I need to let you know, and again, you know, I, I, I don't hold any... We're investing a lot of time and, and, and finances to make this happen. It doesn't just, just happen like that. Uh, everything costs that we're about to do for this day. Okay, and I need you to know that. That's why your giving is so critical, but I also need you to understand that the purpose behind investing this money is to win souls. And we're doing that because we know that God has called us to grow the kingdom. So everything that we're doing is designed for that. Uh, I hope that you'll continue, uh, again, praying that we will be successful that day. Everything from the class that will be taught that morning uh, until, uh, again, we get ready for the service. What will more than likely happen, is we'll probably do the 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 life development there'll be a brief uh, refreshment period we'll go right into the service and then after that we'll have something to eat then there'll be the entertainment part uh the ministering through the gospel or through music so that's the game plan for them i'm looking forward to it i hope that you are as well um, as we move forward we're getting ready again within about uh, 60 days we're going to be back in the classrooms for sunday morning and I have to tell you that we are certainly excited about that. We're working on the classes as we speak. By the end of the month, we'll be able to share those classes with you so that you can select one prayerfully and get ready for it in September. We have been waiting this for a while. And while we like the format that we use, it, was, it has always been temporary. It has been temporary from the moment the governor shut our church down Uh, It has been the way that we've decided to stay connected, and so now we're ready to go back in the classroom full force. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that you as well. We've got some teachers that are ready to teach and do some awesome things, and I I tell you right now, I'm looking forward to that, okay? So those are some of the things that's happening uh, during the month of August. Uh, Again, uh, we do have Mr. Maurice Ashley coming Uh, And again, it is the 13th, and I do need to make you aware there's been a slight change in the format for that day. So we're working on changing the format. There was going to be a cancer walk-and-run that morning. The city has said, because they've got construction up and down the street, that they will not allow people to walk or run. So that's been moved someplace else. So we've got to reconfigure today but Mr. Maurice Ashley is coming, and he is gonna do the chess exhibition. What I need, since there's been a change in potentially the people, is I need new life to make sure we show up. If nobody else shows up, all 250, 300 of us, we need to show up that day. So bring your nephews and nieces. If you think, you know, I think my brother Chris, uh, Tam, I think my brother Chris thinks he can beat Mr. Maurice Ashley. He's already said he's going to beat him, and I'm looking forward to that day. All right? I'm looking forward. He wants to be one of the people, uh, and so I'm looking forward to that day, and so I'm just excited about that. It's a privilege to have somebody of this caliber, uh, the first grand chess master in the country. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to say that he's been here. There's a couple of things that are worth noting. One, for the first time in our history, we have the governor here. That's notable. That's notable. Second thing, for the first time in our history, uh, we have this grand chess master, all right, coming to new life. And so, again, these are some very notable things as part of our history that we will record because they are significant in terms of where we're going. Now, I want to throw this last thing out before we dive into this piece here. Uh, many of you are aware, I said this before and it bears repeating, I, I need to echo this, um, you know. When President Biden uh, and those, the powers of be, gave out this money a year ago, we did not know. We did, we did know. We knew how much we were getting. We got $52 million in this city. Okay? Um, the city has decided to keep $26 million of that and give us the other $26 million. And you could apply for the money through various... Now, the deadline to apply is already gone. I've been telling you about this all along, so you didn't already miss a deadline. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is the thing that I said to you a year ago, and I'll keep saying it. If you don't start attending the meetings, if you don't start voicing concerns about how that money is being spent, I said this, and it bears repeating, 10 years from now, what you see on the east side will still look like the east side because we didn't do anything. So I'm asking you, uh, please, ma'am, and sir, find out when the meetings are. Go to the meetings, listen to what's going on, ask questions, okay? Ask questions because if you don't ask questions, that money will be spent on everything but the east side of Saginaw. So we've got to do something, okay? Got to do something. Last thing I'll leave you with, I need some brothers. I need about three brothers or three sisters or brothers and sisters who would be willing to take a couple of the young people in our church uh, and do a fishing thing on a Wednesday coming up in July. Um, And it's from, I want to say, 3 to about 6.30 or 7. We won't go till 6 or 7 because we'll be in Bible study. But I need three people who are willing to sign up for that as an adult who will be there with three or four of our young people. I need you to do that in the next week or two so we can get this stuff signed and go back to the state police. They can do whatever they need to do to clear us, and then we'll be ready to move from there. So if you want to do that, I need three adults. We're saying we need five young people, and that will be our group. Again, we'll be there with state troopers. We've got this relationship. I don't want to break that. I want us to strengthen it, okay? All right, so with all of that being said, at this point, again, I want to dive into this piece that we've been working on, talking about strengthening our faith, uh, stretching our faith so that we can be strengthened, and it's been a great, great series. I'm looking forward again to the next piece coming, and so hopefully today we'll try to bring some closure. If not, we will do so on, on Sunday. Uh, we, we left off, I want to just kind of pick us up on this piece where we talked about retests. And one of the things that I've discovered, Dean York, is that oftentimes the reason why we keep getting the same things going on is because maybe God is saying to us that we did not pass the test. Now, if we're going to be honest, uh, since, Blanche, since Blanche Williams, we know we didn't pass the test. And some of us, quite frankly, don't plan to pass the test. We just want to get through. God, there's no such thing as a wasted test with God. Whenever God does anything in our lives, God has a purpose. Now, let me go back again. I want to keep saying these things because for some reason, uh, in the Christian faith, we've never been taught that everything that happens in our life, it has a divine purpose, There is no such thing as an accident. Everything that happens in life, it has a purpose. When you're under attack, note this, if you will. I keep saying this so you can get it. When you're being attacked, Satan does not have permission to attack you without God's divine permission. Okay? All you got to do is look at the book of Job. Okay? Satan cannot attack you. Unless he has God's divine permission. Now watch this. When God permits him to attack you, God has purpose behind his attack. Because at the end of the attack, there is a divine expectation. And that's where stretching of your faith, uh, understanding your purpose more, operating in your gift. Uh, again, learning how to build the various spiritual gifts that God is giving. That's where God sees all that working. And that's why Romans 8 and 28 says Janelle reminds us that all things work together, okay? I know it doesn't feel good sometimes when we're going through, and let's be very honest, Sister Patrick, um, uh, Sister Harrison, let's be very honest, sometimes uh, honest rather, some of the things that we go through, Uh, We never reform or we never go back to where we were. That's not God's intent. God wants you to know that despite what happens in your life, be it uh, the loss of a loved one, be it the loss of a job, be it the loss of a limb, be it a sickness, be it that your body now does not operate like it did before. God still wants you to know one thing, that he is still God and that besides him, there is no other. If we can ever get beyond our personal feelings and thoughts about what life should be, we would understand that throughout everything we do, he made us a promise. Jesus did in Matthew chapter 20, he says, and lo, I am what? I am with you when? God still wants you to know that despite the fact that you know, you're in the situation you're in, your God said, but I'm still with you. Now, Paul is my primary witness, he's the only person we can relate to because Paul had his freedom taken. Remember, Paul said, Look, I was beaten, I was stoned, I was bitten by a snake, I was shipwrecked, I was left in the water, I was betrayed by people I thought was my friends, and yet through all of that, I learned how to be content. Why? Because my content or my peace of mind was not in things or people. It was always in Jesus Christ. And we got to get to a point in this life where at the end of the day, we remember that despite what happens in our lives, that as long as we are with Jesus Christ, everything is going to be okay. So let me get back to retest. Retest says this, and you, you know, those of you that's got the outline Retest says this. Retest says, I'm not going to send you to the next level because I already know, number one, that you're not going to be ready for it. That's why I got to test you again. All right? Now, I gave this example before, and I just want to put it out there again for you. Would you permit your child? Would you permit your child, sis Mac Ryan, who is eight years old, to play, play in the NFL? Now, think about that now. The NFL is football, men playing football. Would you put an eight-year-old in a football game with men? Okay, what about this? Would you permit your 16-year-old who just passed the driver's test today to hop in your car and drive to California 24 hours after getting his license? I mean, for real, all right? Would you allow your spouse who has handled a knife to cut food, would you allow her to, um, who was handled not to cut food, to cut down a tree with a saw? You probably wouldn't. Why? Sister Taylor, because they're not what? They're not prepared. Okay? Would you allow a mechanic to do open heart surgery on you? I mean, I'm just being realistic. So, so I'm asking this question for a couple reasons. If you won't allow them to do that, why would you think God should allow you to advance to another level if you're not prepared? Is that making sense? I mean, you wouldn't take a, a, a five-year-old and promote him to the 12th grade. Why? Because he's not mature enough. He's not intellectually prepared for that. And so God is saying the same thing. I will not put you at the next level or the next dimension because when you get there, you've got to have something to sustain yourself. Okay, remember with Job or with remember, uh, not necessarily with Job, but remember, brother Knox, remember with um, uh, Abraham, before God could give him some things, God had to ensure that he was ready for that level. So what's the first thing God did? The first test God said, look, I want you to get your hat, coat, and leave your family. All right, just take what you got. What did he do? The Bible said the next day he did was? So a He got up and took off. All right? God saying go to a land unknown. Now, can you imagine? Uh, can, can you imagine just getting in your car, packing everything, and just driving? You don't know where you're going, but you are just going. Now, some of y'all looking, yeah, like uh, Reverend, no, I, I can't see that. But that's exactly what happened to Abraham. He didn't know what God said, go to a land unknown that I'll show you. God didn't say, okay, go 20 clicks this way, go 20 miles that way, hang a left, and then you'll be there. He didn't know where he was going. Yet he demonstrated his obedience to God by just waiting for the voice of God to tell him where he needs to go. Now, if, we, if everybody in the church did that, you? what type of church would we have? If everybody just operated, see, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but when God speaks to some of us, we don't think that's God speaking. Sometimes we think that's gas. Sometimes we think it's, well, no, that can't be God because God wouldn't tell me to do that. Brother Sewell, I don't think that's the case. I think we got to get to a point. See, when you know scripture, you know God's voice. So there is no contradiction. All right. When you know scripture and when you know the voice of God, you know God. So why of a sudden now? Because God is at, listen at this issue. When God is asking you to sacrifice something, why then, Sister Janelle was does does not seem like God? Because God wouldn't no. God wouldn't ask me to give up five hundred dollars. He that's all I got in my account. What, let me ask you a question: Why wouldn't God tell you to do that? <laughs> that makes sense. What we see, we want to make God practical, and God is not practical. God is beyond practical. God is spiritual. All right. But let me go a step further. Remember now, what God asked us to do is never practical. Practical is something. Listen at this, Brother Shave. Practical is something that makes sense to us. Illogical is something that makes sense to God. Does that make sense? Can I help you with that? See if, you, see if it makes sense? Remember the disciples? They were on the boat. He said, go to the other side. Well, no, not that one. Let me come back. God said, y'all go ahead. I'll see y'all later. All right. And then what did he do? In the middle of the night, what did he do? He came walking on water. And then Jesus did something that was illogical. He's walking on water. They thought it was a ghost. Jesus said, no, it's me. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. He said, come on. Now, that was illogical. Now, why was that illogical? Because first of all, no man, one man had ever walked on water. So what we think practically, God thinks illogically. Let me give you another example. Remember when the the guard came to Elisha and he had this leprosy? He said, go down there and dip in that, that water seven times. He said, wait a minute, you want me to go down and dip in dirty water? Now see, to us, that's not practical. Don't make sense and the, the girl said look had he told you to do this what you do it she, he said yeah he said well why don't you go dip in that water see God asks us to do things that are illogical to us but they make sense to him that's why can I cannot come back that's why sometimes we get a retest because God will tell you to do something and no matter how I mean, in your mind, that can't be God. God wouldn't ask me to do that. I'm not even believing that's God. I'm going to keep praying. You're going to keep missing that blessing. All right? Why? Because in your mind, God wouldn't tell you to do that. And in my mind, I'm saying, why wouldn't he? Because remember now, the Bible says without faith. All right, here's another one. For we walk by faith. It didn't say by what makes sense. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So so at the end of the day, when God says that he's going to retest, God's saying, look, uh, I know you're not ready at that level. You didn't already flunk this test. So sometimes God may give you a repeat. It may be the same test, different situation. Okay? Why does God do that? Because he knows that in order for you to master this, this is critical to where you're going. Can I help you with that? Sometimes, you know, we struggle with our finances. So where does God often test us? In our finances. Why? For where your treasury is, there your heart will be also. Have you ever heard anybody say this? Man, it seems, I, just got my, I just got my car fixed. Now my water heater went out. Man, it just don't seem like I can get a break. What is God trying to get you to figure out? Trust me. If I took care of that. All right. Now, let me add add the the T word, the cuss word in there. Because, see, if you're not doing this, as Sherry Jones Brother Simmons, if you're not tithing, I can see why you ain't going to pass the test. Because tithing tells God, I trust you no matter what. I mean, after all, whose money is it anyway? And if you say mine, come on to the altar. I got some oil for you automatically. It ain't, your, it ain't your money. The Bible says the earth is what? The Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything you own, including your money, even the money that you be hiding, that you didn't forgot where you hid it at, that no-seeing money, that you don't want nobody to know, you know that money? God said, that money belonged to me. Okay, y'all got real quiet there. So so I think one of the things that needs to happen uh, at the end of the day is when we're not passing the test, the question shouldn't be, Lord, I didn't pass it. The question needs to be, what do I need to do to move forward? All right. Can I give you a, a brief example of this? Let's just say you go through an evaluation. All right. Let me use me as an example. One of my first jobs I had, one of the things that the staff would do, sister, sister Yvette, is they would come in the meeting and they would evaluate me, Sis Schaefer, and say all the negative things that I wasn't doing right. So guess what? In my evaluation, it only contained what? Negative stuff. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. So after the first, the second time, I said, you know what? I said, can I stop y'all? And I said, you might get mad at this. I said, but uh, if you're not going to tell me things I'm doing wrong before the evaluation, don't tell me again because all my evaluations are reflecting nothing but negative stuff. Now, if you tell me, Craig, do this and I don't do it, then put that in my evaluation But you're coming in here putting all this negative stuff in, and you're not giving me a chance to correct something wrong. So guess what? In the next evaluation, it was, well, you know, uh, Craig was doing this, and we talked to him, and he has done this now. Now, that's an evaluation. And I'm getting at this because there again, for me, instead of me being mad that God is saying I'm not doing right, I need to be saying to God, says Psalter, okay, God, what do I need to do to do differently? Why can't I hear you like I want to hear you? Okay? Why can't I do these things? I should, listen, can I help you why I'm saying that? James chapter 1, and I want to say it's verse 7 or 8, somewhere in that area, 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. So it would make sense to me. That if I'm missing the ball, if I keep missing, I need to really say, okay, God, this is the second time I didn't took this test. What am I doing wrong? And God is going to say, you know what? I've been waiting for you to ask. Be concerned with asking God. Listen to what he says in that text. If any of you lack wisdom. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men. God say, whatever you, I'll give it to you. Now watch this key piece here because I don't want you to miss this, Brother Raz. He says, in a braid of not. So what does he mean by that, Brother Schaefer? I'm glad you asked. A braid of not mean I'm not going to hold it against you that you're asking me. If you're not getting it, talk to the person that can help you get it. Does that make sense? After all, he's the one that's giving you the test. And so I'm going back to college 101. When I couldn't understand math, I didn't go ask anybody else but the math teacher. Because I knew if I talked to the math teacher, the math teacher was going to give me the correct answers. God is saying, why are you talking to them when all you got to do is ask me? Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open." So if, I, if I'm not passing a test, God, I mean, help me, God. I mean, what areas of my life must I surrender you for you to mold me? What, what am I not doing? And why can't I move any forward? Now, let me throw this out. there. There's another sidebar conversation, not for today, but I said sidebar. Sometimes God won't advance you because he's holding you because he sees something ahead that he has not prepared you for, um, and he does not want you to be engaged in it. So sometimes you've got to understand this. Sometimes God will not bless you with certain things, not because you don't deserve it, but God already sees down the road there could be some things that could jeopardize your being able to enjoy them or they could hinder your ability to grow in him at the same time. All right? So when I look at this, again, uh, retests come in various forms. You remember James chapter number one since you're right there, Deacon Roscoe, I think it's uh, verse 2. It says, brethren, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or temptations. See that? All right. I like the word divers. Divers means multiple. It means many. It means various. All right. Now watch the next verse, if you can put that up for me. It says, knowing that the trying of your faith. What is the purpose of the temptations? The trying of what? Your faith. What is the purpose of the temptations? The what? The trying of your faith. All right. So for me, it becomes very clear that God is saying, I'm putting these in your life because I have a purpose. All right. I have a purpose. Let's see if we can jump through some of this stuff so I can get us where we need to be. All right. So at the end of the day, uh, I told I, I asked you this question, jump over and I'll put it back before you right now. As a church, let me ask you, just ask you a question, Schaefer. Why would God bless us with more when we are not obedient or faithful with the little that we do have? Does that make sense? Why would God give you? Why would God give you a Cadillac and you won't take care of the Chevette? I mean, every t- I mean, every time you look around digging your the check engine is light is on because you won't change the oil. Why would God give you more when you won't take care? Of- Remember he said be faithful over. A fr- if we ain't faithful over a few, why would God give us more? If you're not faithful over the check that God has blessed you with now, why would God give you a bigger paycheck? That makes sense? If you can't keep the little apartment, efficiency apartment clean and together, why would God give you a three or four bedroom house? Make sense? And so what God is saying to us, and I I want to throw this question out from several perspectives, Brother Sewell. Uh, Not only should the church answer that question, but every ministry in the church should answer that question. All right? And not only every ministry, every person in the church should personally ask that question. Why would God give me more if I'm not being faithful over what he has given me? So for me, I'd be coming to God saying, okay, God, what do I need to do to move forward? Uh, What areas must I surrender? Um, Because, see, it's clear to me that God is looking for something. Now, let me say this, Brother Raz, so you can get it. And maybe you never thought about this. God is always looking at you. And every test, even when, he, when you take tests, he's looking at how you respond in the test. Now, watch this, says Blanche Williams. God is not only looking at you, but his word is being designed to watch you go through what you go through so that the word can match you as you go through what you're going through. That makes sense? Okay, let me see if I can help you now, says Redeemer. Um, God would not tell you. Okay, let me use, let me use David as an example. Um, David had to fight Goliath. He had a situation where he was facing this insurmountable issue, right? So, in that instance, G- God would not send you that He turned water into wine because it does not fit your situation. He sends you a word that you can see that's applicable to your situation that builds you as you go through your situation if that makes sense to you, all right? So for me, it's clear of a couple of things. God has you in it because he has a purpose. Let me see if I can help you. Um, 1 Peter 1 and 6, think about this. 1 Peter 1 and 6, it says this. Um, it says, when you greatly rejoice, watch this, though now for a season, what's a season? Anybody know? What's a season? Anybody? A season is a time that God has set aside for you to endure a situation that he has a divine purpose for in your life. All right. So a season could be a day. It could be an hour. It could be a half hour. It could be 10 hours. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year. It could be five years. But watch this. It says, when greatly, uh, when you greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be you are in heaven is through manifold in other words I'm going through some stuff see the word manifold or manifold that means many alright you are in heaven you're going through uh, many types of temptations now watch the rest of the text watch verse 7 verse 7 says that the trial of your faith what does that mean that the trial of your faith what does it mean your faith is now on the, is in the witness stand, and it is now being subject to scrutiny, right? Everybody remember biology 101? Remember biology 101? You had to dissect the frog, right? All right. But in order to see the frog in totality, you had to put it under a what? A microscope. With the microscope, you could fine-tune it so you can see everything. So when I tell you that God is looking at you, God knows everything about you. He knows your aches, he knows your pains, he knows your anxiousness, he knows what you desire, he knows what makes you angry, he knows what makes you fearful, he knows what makes you scared, he knows what makes you get ticked off. So what is God doing when he's looking? God is cutting the areas where you need help, right? now. In some areas, and and anybody ever fell on the ground? Okay, when you fell on the ground, what happened to your skin? Got scratched up, right? All right. Now, what what happened once you got scratched up? You bled a little bit, right? All right. Then your mama or daddy put a Band-Aid or Mercuricom or something like that on there, right? I'm going old school now. Alcohol, you know, peroxide. All right, all that stuff there. Okay, but then what happened after a period of time? It began to heal. So what, what made it heal? Got a scab on it, all right? And the scab was on there covered for a while, right? And then the scab outlived its purpose because what? New skin, had came into place. That skin then was not the same as it always was. It might have been just a little bit tougher, Right? So what is God doing when he allows things in your life? In certain areas, he's trying to make you a little bit what? Tougher. You ain't got a lot of faith? Okay, I'm going to help you with that. Okay, you ain't got a lot of patience? I'm going to help you with that. All right? You don't have a lot of love? I'm going to help you with that. Because sometimes we don't have a lot of that. So God has put us in a position where we learn how to love and learn how to love unconditionally. You don't have a lot of faith? I got that covered. All right? I'm going to test you in a whole bunch of areas. I'm going to test you with your money. I'm going to test you with your job. I might test you with your health. I may test you in your relationships. Because my ultimate goal is what? Is to strengthen it. That's what God wants at the end of the day. God has a purpose for everything that he brings in our life. We don't always see it that way because it hurts a lot of time, Right? All right. So every time we are stretched, understand this. Our stretching is significant Because it is part of God's plan. All right? Our stretching is significant because it is a part of God's plan. There's no such thing as God just stretching you because he ain't got nothing to do. All right? Mm, Let me go over there and just create some friction in Craig's. He don't look like he doing nothing. He ain't had no trouble in about six months. Let me just go over there and make life miserable for him. That's not the purpose. The purpose is... The stretching is connected to where God wants me to be. Make sense? I cannot, listen, I cannot go to the next grade if I could use school as an analogy. All right. How many of you got grandchildren? All right. Now, um, have they ever held your grandchildren back? No, you don't have to say nothing. But let me just ask you a question. When they're held back, why are they held back? Any child. They're not ready. What else? They might not be mature enough. enough. Go ahead. Keep going. Not listening. listening. That's right. That's right. Uh You're right. All right. So what do you think God does to us? Does he not do the same thing? I know y'all don't want to hear that, but maybe God's saying you ain't mature enough. You're not spiritually mature enough. Now, you might be as fast as all get up and go. But spiritually, you ain't ready to handle where I'm about to take you. Make sense? So for me, everything that God does is a part of God's plan. Now, here's the thing that we got to see, York. When we fail to cooperate with God, meaning when we, we refuse to move beyond our comfort zone, because sometimes God wants to test us, but we ain't moving. I ain't bulging. I don't care what nobody say. I like where I am. I ain't doing nothing different. What's wrong with where I am now? It's not like I'm going to do all that stuff anyway. Mm -mm. So let's understand this. When we refuse to obey God to change, you do need, I'm sorry, I need to cuss for a minute. I'm sorry, Dean York, forgive me. Yeah, forgive me. I I just need to say it, Mr. Cameron. But you you do know that when you refuse to cooperate with God, because God wants to stretch you, and God has already told you, says Janelle, he's going to stretch you. When you choose not to, okay, here the cuss word is. All right, I, I'm just going to say it. Right, y'all can just get ready to gasp. Oh, you know when I say it, I just want y'all to gasp. I When you refuse to cooperate with God, it's called disobedience. All right? It's called disobedience. And understand this now, to fail to want to be stretched is first and foremost called disobedience. When you tell God I ain't, you're telling God I'm going to be, dis- be defiant to you. And defiance, you know, understand this. Now, because some people do this, didn't Somebody say, well, you know, I can see doing some of that, but I ain't going to do all of it. Well, partial disobedience is still total disobedience. <laughs> all right. Listen, uh, uh, I just had this lady at our church at uh, the church I used to pastor. And uh, uh, Mother Clay ended up being a hundred and something years old. 104 years old when she passed away. And she say, Reverend, I'm doing 100 because 99 and a half won't do. And she was serious about that, Miss Cameron. She said, I'm, t- I'm doing 100 because, not- and I'm telling you right now, you can be 99 cent so-and-so, but at that other one, you just 100% wrong. All right? So I'm saying to us, when you refuse to let God mold you, that's called the D word disobedient and god has to meet me disobedience with a response well let's talk practically for a minute okay one of the things that i've discovered happens when we're disobedient number one it's because there is a hardening of our heart i ain't doing nothing i like the way i am i look i don't want to i don't want to be better at being spiritual because then god gonna make me more responsible I, I like teaching these kids in church because I don't want to have to go in there and deal with no adults. You ever heard that before? I think I think I'm just going to stay on the greeders ministry because, you know, I, I you know I, I don't think I want to do evangelism. I don't want to be going out there trying to knock on no doors. God said, that's a hardening of your heart. Now, watch the scripture that it gives us as a warning. Uh, Hebrews chapter uh, number three, verse seven and eight. It says this. It says, so, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you what? If you hear his voice, what? Don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. God said, when I'm talking, you don't pretend like you don't hear me. Now, I know some of y'all are good at that. I mean, real talk. That's, that's really what he's saying. Don't act like you don't hear me. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, all of us are masters at that. Because our mama didn't tell us to do something, we act like we didn't hear. Our wives didn't tell us to do something, we act like we ain't here. Our husband didn't tell us to do something, we pretend like we ain't here. Anybody ever did that before? Now, I'm gonna t- before y'all even answer that, I'm gonna say, don't forget y'all in church. Act like you didn't hear. We didn't all did it. And God is saying, my spirit has told you what I want, but y'all acting like y'all ain't here. And the problem with that is that your heart can be so hard. That at some point, and you'll see it in kind of the narrative that I got there, what ultimately happens is you become desensitized to the unctioning of the Holy Spirit. So if you become hardened in one area, it'll be like a cancer that'll spread to every other area. At some point, you'll say, you know what? I ain't got to go to church today. I'm tired. So since Jenny Cork, you may say, I don't want to be obedient in this area, and eventually, it'll spread to the other areas. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, I know the Lord said give, but, you know, I, I, I got to go on vacation. I need a vacation. Anybody ever heard that before? Didn't you, anybody ever told you that? Anybody? Don't answer this question. Don't nobody answer it. Anybody took the Lord's money with you on vacation? Don't answer. You just took it just in case. I ain't talking about nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about, didn't you? And I, I just found, Brother Finch, I found if you take it, you plan to spend it. Because you're going to get out there and say, well, you know, you only live once. We might as well go on and get, You know, when a cruise is only, how much, baby, how much money you got? Well, first of all, you shouldn't have went on a cruise if you had no money. Hmm? But you took God's money as a backup. huh? Now, I ain't talking about none of y'all because I know y'all ain't never did that before. Right. Y'all ain't never did that before. Well, you know, I, I, and I ain't talking about none. Y'all, when I say this is Sister Taylor, well, you know, we just catch our tides up. Have you ever noticed that you never catch the tides up? Yep, now, OK, don't don't say nothing. Don't look at nobody. Just keep laughing and looking straight at me. All right, because it does happen. All right. It does happen. And so at the end of the day, what what I've discovered is, you know, especially when it comes to sin, when God is trying to get you over something, you keep trying to rationalize the sin. And that's why God tells us there again, don't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, that it's okay to keep doing this. It's not okay. All right. So when he says, when you hear my voice in the day of, that means now. It don't mean next week. It don't mean to make that next year's resolution. Because I can promise you right now, sis Mac Wright, most of the time when we make spiritual resolutions, we don't keep them. That's true. You can make it. That's true. Baby, you know, come the first of the year, we're going we to be in Sunday school. Ain't seen you since then. <laughs> I mean, for real. You know, we're going we to get involved in the church. Ain't got involved yet. We'll stop in. Well, you know, the ministry I want to be on, see Deacon York in charge. Of that, you know, Deacon York and I fell out five years ago when I first joined the church. Now, that tells me a whole lot about how spiritual, Brother Knox, you are, that that's still on your mind. So that's why God, listen, do you see what God is trying to do? The ministry that God has put in your spirit is the ministry that Deacon York is over. Did y'all, y'all get the connection? So what is God trying to do? There you go. God is trying to get me to reconcile and learn how to deal with confrontation and things of that nature. If I can't get along with Deacon, now think about that, if I can't get along with Deacon York, and I'm using the word operative deacon, then that means I can't get along with members in the church. Make sense so So not only is there Sister Margina Gary, a hardening of our heart. But sometimes when when you fail to let God move you, that becomes a silencing of the conscience. Now, why is that critical? Okay. The Holy Spirit uses our conscience to convict us. And if you become desensitized to the Holy Spirit speaking and convicting your conscience, you won't obey nobody. Let me see if I can help you. Have you ever done somebody wrong but you couldn't sleep? You ever said something and you knew you was wrong, but you said it anyway? And it don't listen, because sometimes what happens is Shafe, and I could be wrong in this, and y'all have to help me. But let's just say, you know, you, you have some words with a coworker, and you knew you was wrong, but you keep talking about the other people to try to justify that what you did was right, but it ain't right. Right? And it don't matter how much you talk about. The more you talk about, it, you know you're wrong, but you are in yourself right now, <laughs> right? You feeling yourself. You know you was wrong, but you feeling yourself. You you feeling anger. You know, so you want to try to justify, it. girl. You know she. You know I just had to go off on her because you know she was talking to me a certain way. No, no, no. The Bible says be slow to speak, and quick to listen. And what you didn't do on you wasn't slow to speak. You was quick to cuss, right? And there's no way you can get around that. And the Bible says, let your words be seasoned with grace. It didn't say seasoned with four-letter words. <laughs> Y'all got real quiet. So watch this now. So sometimes we say, well, you know what? Um, at the end of the day, I, I know I should be doing this. You know, I'm gonna eventually, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get round to it. I found that round to it never get here. Right? That's what you call a delay uh, in our obedience. And a delay in your obedience is total discipline. You're saying, God, when I get ready, help me, somebody. When I get ready, I do it. That makes sense, brother? <laughs> when I get ready, it ain't about when you get ready. When the Lord say move, you should do what? I mean, think about this. Let's just do some math real quick. Wafer. I mean, who's there you breathing? Whose legs are you using? Whose heart are you using? Whose half mind? I'm going to say half because all of us ain't got our whole mind. (laughs) All right. But whose mind you using? Whose mouth you using? Okay. So you mean everything about you belongs to God and you won't move when God tell you to move? I mean, I'm just asking some questions. And so for me, at the end of the day, understand this. And, 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 and since Blanche I could be wrong, but y'all can help me with this piece. Um, one of the things that I've discovered is when there's a silencing of our conscience, I don't have joy. I don't have peace. I don't have an inner peace. I mean, there's so much more that I can add to that. I can't sleep well. I can't function well. I can't focus well. Okay. I know right now, every time I get ready to talk to God... I got an issue. All right? Anybody ever been there before? You know there's an issue. It's like the pink elephant in the room. You know the elephant is in the room, but you keep trying to talk around it. Okay, let me give you a human analogy. It's like a husband and a wife, they got an issue. And and rather than deal with the issue, they talk about everything else, but they still know they got to come back to the issue. That make sense? Brother Schaefer, that makes sense? Of I know you and Sister Schaefer ain't never had no pink elephant in the room, so it ain't about you. <laughs> y'all ain't never had no pink elephant, so y'all cool, right? All right, don't say nothing, Brother Schaefer, because I don't... Watch this now, and I think it's critical to understand now. I, I like Paul. I put two narratives in the text for you, for you to see it. Uh, Acts 24 and 16, Acts 23 and 1. Paul said, this. He says, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. What Paul was saying is, Everything that God told me to do when he told me to do it I did it. Because I didn't want God to think that I was defying him by not doing it when God told me to do it. Now, let me help you with this. If Has your mama ever told you to do something and you didn't do it? Did she ever come in there and hem you up? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Or when you think she's coming you try to get up real fast like <laughs> y'all ever tried to do that like you was about to do it like you tried to run and get that, br- that broom and try to brush a broom, not brush, but broom, uh, you know, just sweep yeah, yeah, sweep, that's just like eating like eating coffee and drinking toast didn't you <laughs> <laughs> all, alright, all right, that's just like that alright, all right, but notice now at the end of the day when the spirit cannot speak to you, you avoid of the anointing don't miss this now when the spirit cannot speak to you, you're void of the anointing. Why? What did Jesus said he was going to give you before he left? He said, listen, I got to go back home, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Don't miss the word comfortless. Because without, when the spirit goes silent, you become comfortless. Right? When you become desensitized, the spirit says, okay, fine. I can see the spirit doing this. Okay. Well, go ahead with your hardest self. Since you don't want to take lesson from me. Since, uh, since I'm supposed to direct your path. All right? Okay, fine. Do it your own way. He'll sit there with his arms folded until you've been whipped enough by life circumstances that you don't have to do nothing but surrender. Okay, God, I hear you. I'm sorry. Now, God still got to whoop you, Deacon York, because you ain't learned your lesson yet. And sometimes the whooping, if I could use that, is the circumstances of your decisions. Okay? God said, I need you to stop drinking. But you won't stop. All right? You keep drinking. So what happens? You get pulled over by the police. He catches you with a, DNA, a DUI. Now you go to jail. All right? Now you're in jail for two days. Now you lost your job. All right? Now I you ain't lost your job, that means you don't lose your car. Sometimes God will allow the circumstances to be our teacher. Now, when you get out, what's the first? Lord, Lord, you know I ain't got no car. I told you to stop drinking. Sometimes we don't, we don't connect those dots because we don't connect them. Sometimes God allows our decisions to yield the consequences because we wouldn't. What does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord all your heart and lean what? But see, in this instance, I, 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 no, I, I no. But you kept doing it. All right. So what happened when you didn't think I was looking? Y'all remember babies? <laughs> y'all know how babies are? You tell ah, and babies get scared. All right. But the next time when they see you ain't looking, guess what they're going to do? They're going to reach up there on top of that thing like some kids have done, and this thing just toppled right over on top of them. You can hear them in there crying like like Mount Kilimanjaro and fell on their head. you running there almost with a heart attack because the whole, the whole cabinet then fell on them because they tried to climb in them. Right? That's the lesson. And sometimes God has allowed that to happen to us. All right? So for me, at the end of the day, it becomes clear That sometimes God has to be silent for you to get the message, I'm not happy with you. That makes sense? I'm not happy with you right now. And when God goes silent, you're in trouble. All right? Because it'd be like, okay, I'm trying to talk to, I I can't talk to God right now because I know God ain't listening. He's listening, but he's not responding. Because he hears everything. Let me get this last one because it's time for us to quit. So, so, when we won't let God mold us, stretch us, I told you, number one, that one of the things that he would do is there'd be a hardening of our heart. That's number one. That's one of the signs. Number two, we find that the Holy Spirit won't speak to us. But then number three, if you're not careful, then there will be God's turn to use his hand to whoop. I say whoop you, but God will discipline you. All right. When listen, uh, uh, God says, those whom I love, I chasten. And when you keep being defiant, God has to match that with the response. I told you when you go to class to be in class and sit down and be quiet. This is the third time the teacher didn't call me. I got to get off my job, come up there to the church. Tr- so I ain't come up there to pay little patty cakes. I'm coming up there to take you in the bathroom and whoop your behind to help you understand that I mean business. All right? So sometimes God will give you a chance to get yourself together, but when you don't get yourself together, God says, okay, it's time for me to drop the hammer on you. All right? And sometimes when God dropped that hammer, you know it's God because the Spirit going to say, I tried to tell you. All right? I try- Listen, you didn't learn from other people. So now, God says, I got to put my hands on you. I kept telling you I was going to get it. Let me, you know, remember when you was a kid and you was in the back of the church running your mouth and your mama kept looking? Your mama would look at you like, you know the eye? That's where my mama was. She's walking. My mama was in the choir. But I could feel her. I could feel that laser of her eyes looking at me and Dale back on the back row playing. We was playing thump each other fingers, and sometimes we thump each other, and all of a sudden <laughs> we knew we was in trouble. <laughs> you talking about crying, boy? We was boy. We tried them cracking down tears, as, before we even got out the church, we was because <laughs> <laughs> we knew what was gonna happen. All right, and sometimes we got grace. Sometimes we got mercy. Mercy means you getting it. But between the time we got out of church and we got home. She made a mind if she wasn't going to get us. But sometimes before we can even get in the car, she had already before we can leave the church ground, she had already gone over to that willow tree and got that switch. And that switch already lets you know by the time you get home, this is what you're going to get. All right. Sometimes God has to put his hand on you in such a way. That he commands your undivided attention. And that might come at a tremendous loss from one standpoint, but not from the other. Now God is saying this to you. Do I have your attention? And most of the time at that point, you can't do them but throw your hands and say, okay, God, I surrender. Do what you need to do. That's how God stretch your faith. All right. Alright, so hey, I got to quit here. I got a little bit to throw out there on the table for you to know on Sunday. Uh, I want to just do a quick recap on Sunday of everything that we covered. Some quick nuggets for you to think about. Um, but let me ask you this question before we leave Dean York. This, I want to leave you switching, um, you. And it's on your notes, but I want to ask it anyway. What else would God have to say to you when you refuse to be stretched by him? What else can he say? Sis Blanche Williams, if you will not be. Sh- what else can he say if the stretching is a part of him communicating? And what else can he say to you? Because he can't say anything else because his language now is tailored towards next dimension, not where you are right now. That makes sense. And so, for us, I think at the end of the day, everything is connected, and part of the reason why we need this. Is so that we can start seeing this at different levels. For me, it's critical. I say this often about us as a church. My expectation is that we're going to keep growing. Brother Charles Williams, we we don't have a choice but to grow. But with growing, there comes growing pains. But the growing pains are not designed to defeat us. They're designed to equip us for the people that's coming in. Okay, the people that's getting out of jail, the people that sold their bodies, people that are different colors, people that are rich, people that are poor, people that are misunderstood, people that have physical and mental challenges. This church is not supposed to be just full of one person. If it is, imagine if everybody in the church was just like Brother Schaefer. Now, I love Brother Schaefer. All right. I really do. But if everybody in the church is like Brother Schaefer, we'd be in trouble. I, I mean, for real. If everybody in the church was like Sister Tatum, we'd be in trouble. If everybody was in the church like Sister Janelle, we'd show up be in trouble. Well, I'm sorry, Sister Janelle. I didn't mean to put show nothing. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't for real. <laughs> I mean, we'd be in trouble, Sister Janelle. I didn't mean to put show nothing there, but it just seemed like it fit. All right. But think about this, at the end of the day says Pat Curran, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves the question, and I wanna put this out there very candidly, when everybody in the church looks like everybody, we're already in trouble. Because the church is not supposed to look like everybody, it's supposed to look like him. And to look like him, we gotta keep bringing people in and transforming them, all right? Hey, look forward to seeing you on Friday. Again, keep praying for, uh, again, our loved ones uh, that have lost loved ones, Sister Kernan, uh, again, Sister uh, Linda Stuckey, Brother Raz, uh, again, Sister Karen Thomas. I know those are the four that I can think of uh, right off the bat. Uh, Sister Ardella Rawls, that's the fifth one. And then in previous weeks, again, we've had other members that had loved ones that have been ill. Remember Brother uh, Kenneth Ellis Mays? I think he's at home now. Again, so we pray for him, Sister. Sister Roscoe uh, had again some very uh, outpatient uh, situation. She's at home, so we're praying for her. Um, who's the other person that we're thinking about? Digging your, I'm drawing a blank right now. I told you about Brother May, Sister Roscoe. Can't think of the other person right now. But let's keep praying again. Uh, our prayer ministry, when do you guys meet again, Sister Blanche Williams? Saturday, from, from, 11 to Saturday from 11 to 12, right here. The prayer ministry will be meeting. If you want to come to be a part of that, even have them pray for you, come be our guest. The building will be open. Again, uh, come be a part of that. We're looking forward to having you. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Come be our guest, all right? God willing, we'll see you then.